Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata back with you guys as always, and Zach Hubbard is along with us tonight as we break down the commitment of the third wide receiver for the Tar Heels in the 2021 class, J.J. Jones, who just committed to the Tar Heels last night. And uh, Zach, I, I know that uh, it kind of shocked people that he had to move his commitment up. Uh, the story behind that is that uh, really just a journalist down in Myrtle Beach uh, ended up leaking the story a little bit ahead of time. But um, this is kind of what I think we all kind of knew over the last two, two and a half weeks was was going to happen with Jones after he announced that his commitment would be coming to an end uh, in just a couple of weeks after that. Yeah, and I think that um, you also look at the fact that he moved it up from, I believe it was August 5th or August 15th, sometime in August. He moved it forward from there here into June. So I think that that was a big signal of, you know, it's not really a competition going forward. He more likely than not had his decision. And, you know, in after the fact has discussed, you know, I was just ready. I was, I knew where I wanted to go and I knew that I wanted to be a Tar Heel. And, you know, yes, it did have to be uh, a night early, but, you know, it was something that was expected. So it is unfortunate that, you know, the story was leaked early, but mm-hmm. we got to the same conclusion all the same. J.J. Jones is committed to the Tar Heels. Yeah, and and like you said, originally he came out, said he was going to commit August 5th. Um, just a couple of days later, said he was going to move it up and was committing uh, sometime during this week and then eventually released that it was supposed to be tonight. Um, but really, I think what went behind that was there was a similar situation uh, with Bryce Steele, the linebacker from the state of Virginia out of Episcopal High School up, up there. And uh, Carolina wanted him to go public with his commitment. 
He had already kind of uh, given them his silent commitment. Um, but they said, look, we want you to go public with the commitment. We want you to be a part of this class because we don't want you looking elsewhere. And I think that's kind of what they were doing with J.J. Jones because there was, you know, a one time where he said that he was looking at possibly trying to get down to Georgia for a visit um, and was also kind of holding out hope that Clemson would pop an offer. But uh, I think for Carolina, for them to tell him, look, we want you to move this up and for him to go along with that and go ahead and do that, I think is huge. And uh, I mean, look, Carolina is getting a really good player. This is a guy that, you know, it's kind of kind of starting to move around on some of these boards. Um, you know, Composite has him as the number 70 wide receiver in the class, but you got to remember that as the number 70 wide receiver in the class, he's still the 435th overall prospect in the class, which just continues to show how uh, every year these wide receiving classes seems to get better and better. But he is ranked as a four-star guy according to 24-7 Sports, even in their newest rankings that they just released the other day. So this is a guy that's held in high regard, one of the better players in the state of South Carolina. And, you know, there's some interesting fallout that I think we're going to have to talk about with him too. But, you know, when you look at J.J. Jones, I know you've probably gone back, looked through the stats, watched the video on him. What's your breakdown of this talented six foot three wide receiver that's joining this class? Well, I think the first thing that I do want to mention is what you just mentioned. His height is 6'3". Um, for, you know, their third wide receiver spot, UNC did want to add some height, get a more taller possession red zone threat type of receiver, similar to what we've seen from Bo Corrales and Antoine Green, you know, so far at North Carolina. So that's really sort of the similar mold that we see here for J.J. Jones. Now, you go look at his huddle tape and does have there the first that you know runs a 4-4-8. I don't know if that's quite accurate. Some of these you know times that we see time to high school camps not might not be 100% accurate. I, I think he's probably more in the 4-5, uh, you know, upper 4-5 range, but, you know, really is a, a good, uh, quick wide receiver um, for his size. Really does a great job of going up and getting the ball, which is what you want to see for a guy, you know, with his size and length, has good hands, um, long arms, a good wingspan. Um, one thing that I really liked that I noticed from him is that, you know, he's actually pretty quick going, you know, side to side, making guys miss and things along those lines, which, you know, could be difficult for a guy his size to do to move, you know, his frame and his weight that quick. And he really does a great job at that. Um, what I would say is that, you know, you may not see some initial burst that you'd see with some of these other guys like a Gavin Blackwell or Kobe Paysauer, but his top end speed is really, really good. So, you know, might not be um, the quickest off the line, but, you know, you get him going and go routes down the field, you get him, you know, head towards the end zone on a deep ball. Let's say, for example, Sam Howell deep ball, you know, he'll get some separation. And even if he doesn't, he'll go up and get that and turn those 50-50 balls into, you know, 70-30 or 80-20 balls. So, you know, really, really good wide receiver prospect. And more importantly, a really good complement to what they already have, not only in this year's class, but in the last class as well. Yeah, and I mean, you look at it last year, 45 passes caught for 707 yards and 16 touchdowns while playing in just 10 games due to injury. Um, that was before he went into the state championship game. Unfortunately, I was not able to track down those stats, so I didn't include those in the article in fairness to him. Um, and this was his first full year at wide receiver. So prior to him transferring to Myrtle Beach High School, he had played at uh, Sakasti High School, uh, which is down in the 
the Myrtle Beach area as well. Play both sides of the ball. Um, and I think that that's one thing that people have to realize is that there is only room for him to grow. Now, this year, it, it does kind of hurt that he is going to lose Luke Dottie at quarterback, a guy that's going to South Carolina, a very talented quarterback prospect. But they got Ryan Berger, another guy uh, who is seen as uh, one of the guys in the 2022 class to keep an eye on. And of course, helped lead them to the state championship after Dottie got injured. So um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of things to like about his game. You know, like you said, uh, good size, um, which Carolina definitely needs. Uh, they really didn't go out and, and get anybody in the last class outside of Tylee Kraft that could do that. Um, and, and you know, that's the thing. You want to have multiple guys that are options there because really you can only have about a, a really one guy that thrives in the slot at a time. Uh, it's, it's very rare that you're going to see two slot receivers thrive uh, at the same level that you need them to. So to get a guy with a bigger frame that can go up and get the football, I think that's huge for this class. So like you said, you know, 44840. Um, you know, I don't know. Watching the film, I, I don't know if I really saw that, but I, I do think there's some good quickness there. He has a good ability to separate, which is what you want to see. Um, I still think there's some things that he has to fine-tune with the, in, in terms of the route running, but there's a lot to like there as well. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, there was, you know, some of the comparisons that I know a lot of people were looking at. Um, one guy told me that Gavin Blackwell uh, sort of reminded him of, of Quinshot Davis when we were talking about comparisons a while back. I actually think that J.J. Jones kind of reminds me a little bit of Gavin Blackwell. I feel like, or uh, of, of, J, of um, excuse me, Quinshot Davis. Uh, so many names going through. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you look at what he does. I think he's going to be one of those guys on the outside that's going to be able to be a reliable threat on third down. I think, uh, you know, he fits exactly what Carolina is going to want in their receivers with the type of quarterback that they have coming in in Drake May, a guy that, you know, doesn't quite thrive as well as Sam Howell does on the deep ball, but really in that intermediate to short passing game can really make things happen, especially that intermediate game. And that's where Jones seems to thrive as a wide receiver, those five to 10 yard routes. And then afterwards, you know, he's got the ability to make people miss and and create some things after the catch, maybe not at the same level as the other two guys that are in this class, but it's still something that I think is still a, a strength of his game. And of course, you know, the ability to climb the ladder, make contested catches. I know we've probably all seen the catch that he had um, at, I believe it was the Rivals camp last year. Um, So there's a lot of things to like about his game. Now, the ultimate question that I think a lot of people have is, does this mean that the Tar Heels are done at wide receiver? I know that it seems like there's a pretty obvious answer here, but I think there's also another layer to this. What do you think, though? Do you think the Tar Heels are done in this class at wide receiver? I think that there is at least a decent chance of that just looking at, you know, who they already have on the roster and who they're expected to lose. They currently have 13 wide receivers on the roster, uh, three of which will be either true seniors or redshirt seniors in Toe Groves, Daz Newsom, and Bo Corrales. So you're losing at least three. There's a possibility you lose Deami Brown, but let's say you lose four, you take three in. You're still at 12 wide receivers so you know it's it's a position where they have a, a good amount of depth at least bodies right now um even if some of those younger guys we haven't seen as much of as of yet so there is definitely potential for them to be done in the class and i do think that if they were to find the right guy to add you know into the class there might be some room there dependent on how scholarships and slots uh fall in the class um really one big name that comes to mind at this point is um 
Breon Pass, a wide receiver out of North Carolina that's, um, you know, been pretty heavily recruited by the Tar Heels um, as, you know, a potential option looking at the, you know, this potential third um, third slot um, out of Reedsville, North Carolina, um, six foot, even 160 pounds, so probably similar to the Gavin Blackwell, Kobe Payne Sauer model that we've seen. Um, if he's there and if the staff is willing to take his commit, at the point that he commits, would they take him? I don't know. And I think with pass in particular, you're looking at the aspect of he's he's a good, a decent to good basketball player as well, and it, you know has serious interest at playing basketball at the collegiate level. So that's uh, another layer that has to be decided for him as a prospect. As is, is he going to pursue collegiate football or is he going to pursue basketball? So. As of right now, I would say, you know, there's not as many names on the board here. Wide receiver mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me if they were done. But, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think that they can do with that position going forward in the 2021 class. So I think that the number at the end of the day will be three that they will take in this class. The biggest problem that I think you're going to run into in terms of stopping and, and, and just focusing on all other positions and letting go of all your ties with the rest of the wide receivers is the fact that we've kind of heard from some people that are around Jones that this is maybe a little bit similar to Trenton Simpson from a year ago in the fact that they believe if a Clemson offer was to come, that could change everything. Now, I don't know now that he's committed if that's still the same mindset that he's going to have, but I think there's definitely a chance. And so for that reason, I think you've got to kind of keep your ties with some of these other guys just in case, because look, I mean, you know the impact that you're having on this 2021 class already. I mean, you're doing a fantastic job with you know some of the top players in the country. Granted, a lot of them are in-state, but people are starting to realize the impact that you're having. So you know that as long as you keep them at arm's length, if someone leaves this class, which we believe that Paysauer and Blackwell are pretty much locked in, um, but Jones, we, we we just don't know if Clemson offers if he is going to stay there. Um, you know, I, I think that you've got to keep guys like Breon Pass in mind. Another one that'll be interesting. I know he's going to probably end up committing here soon. I know he set his commitment date, and I believe that he's still sticking to that um, as of right now. Micah Crowell is a guy that you know had an injury. Um, he's now pretty much between State and Wake Forest, but you wonder, you know, if for some reason Jones was to get the offer from Clemson and take that and flip his commitment there, and Carolina all of a sudden has another spot open, would Crowell potentially consider a flip to Carolina if he's committed to one of those two? And then, I mean, with the with Breon Pass, it's like you mentioned, I mean, not only are you having to deal with, you know, him considering other schools, you know, he's having a really, really hard time, and, and rightfully so, because of how good he is at both sports. He's, he's trying to figure out which one he's going to play because he legitimately could play either sport and probably get pretty high division one offers because he's that good at both places. But, you know, I think uh, it's definitely one of those things that's, that's very interesting because like you mentioned, the number of names is starting to thin out a little bit. Um, You know, you don't want to have to try to, you know, scramble and find another guy late, but I think as long as they can keep a guy like Breon Pass or Micah Crowell, um, you know, somewhere around at least, you know, stay in contact with those guys just in case something happens. Uh, I think that's probably the best bet for the Tar Heels at this point. But, you know, let's just hope that they can hang on 
to JJ Jones because as you know we've seen and um, you know from most of the people that are around the program and as we've seen from a lot of the uh, writers that are you know with some of the bigger recruiting websites they've said he's a really great fit for this offense so uh, I think you know ultimately it'll it'll be uh, tough if Clemson ends up popping that offer but let's hope that they hold off and and, and don't end up going there but um, you know Carolina is still fifth in uh, or excuse me fourth in the team composite rankings for 24-7 sports so they get back on track uh, I know there were some people that were saying they were getting a little concerned that Carolina hadn't landed a commitment you got to remember that this class is probably going to be 21 maybe 22 guys at the max so I mean already they had 14 commitments this now makes 15 you're not going to see a ton of guys committing at one time now there might be a little bit of a flurry here because you see all of a sudden everybody's just seemed to group up here and said that they're going to end up making their decisions but you know after they get through, uh, I think it's June 12th is the last scheduled major commitment, and that's Javari Ritzy, who we'll talk about here in a minute. But um, after that, you know, we don't know the next time that we're going to get a commitment. And by that point, you shouldn't really be overly concerned if you go a month, two months without a commitment. But um, yeah, let's talk about some of those guys that are going to make their commitments here soon. Really, there's two major ones that we have to talk about because we've got some news on those. Um, and one of them is is, of course, uh, the weak side defensive end, Zaire Patterson um, from Winston-Salem Prep High School in Winston-Salem. Uh, he's going to make his decision uh, here in just four days from now, May 26th, um, and he has already informed Carolina that they are out of the running. It seems like it's either going to be Clemson, uh, which kind of fits his football needs, or South Carolina, which fits uh, the major that he wants to major in. Unfortunately for Carolina, he wants to go into engineering. Uh, Carolina, not a big engineering school, so uh, he ends up looking elsewhere, but uh, this feels like, you know, it's it's definitely a tough loss, a really athletic guy, a guy that really fit that rush end position pretty well, but I don't think that this is as big of a blow as maybe some people are making it, especially with the fact that it at least seems like George Wilson from Green Run High School in Virginia Beach, who Carolina just offered a couple of weeks ago, seems to at least be entertaining the fact uh, that Carolina is now in the running. Are you really that concerned about the fact that Carolina is going to watch Zaire Patterson go elsewhere? Well, you know, as we've discussed, it, it's never great to see an in-state prospect like that uh, potentially leave the state or, you know, go to a different team. But I do think that with George Wilson there, they've really um, provided themselves with, um, you know, other options at the position. I know that, you know, ideally they'd want to add another um, outside linebacker Russian type to this class. And um, George Wilson is certainly a good one. Um, now, you know, with the latest 247 update is rated as a composite four-star. Um, is there sort of from that Tidewater area, so has Dre Blythe recruiting him. So, you know, it's still a little earlier in the process. It's not necessarily a situation in which, um, you know, we're looking for commitment immediately. Right. But it's a situation in which, you know, Carolina has firmly entered the race, is, you know, firmly in the mix after really not, you know, being um, considered there for a good while uh, until they offered. But um, it's a situation that I'd watch going forward. You know, as you mentioned, with these spots getting smaller and smaller, um, it allows the coaching staff to focus more and more on the smaller list of guys. They can give more attention to 
the Javari Ritzies to the um, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins and the George Wilsons yeah. of the recruiting world. They can give you that attention. They can build that relationship with you where, you know, if you have a smaller class, you have a bigger board, it's a little bit more difficult to do that. So, you know, I'm not going to make any prediction, of course, in terms of George Wilson, but I don't think it is as huge of a loss because they, you know, they have a guy in place that they can fill that role with. Maybe not equal, but, you know, it's hard to say as of right now who will be the better player, but they have options there of a similarly rated recruit. Right. And the other thing that people have to remember is that Dez Evans is still going to be there. Remember, he's only a true freshman. So this is not a position where they are dying for someone at. But it definitely seems like because they offered Wilson, they want to get someone here. And one other name that I think is interesting that I wonder if maybe Carolina tries to go and, and, and give a little more attention to is Travali Price, who is a three-star guy that plays at North Lincoln High School here in the state. Um, again, I'm not saying that they are going after go, going to give him any extra attention, but the thing is, he still seems kind of early in his recruitment, so I, I think if they were really hell-bent on landing a guy at weak side defensive end, that might be another option that they could look at. If they start putting a lot of focus on him, they could get into the race uh, for him because right now it seems like NC State's probably the favorite. But again, still very early on for him. Meanwhile, Javari Ritzy, as you were mentioning, he is nearing his decision. That'll be on June 12th. Again, at this point, it feels like it's it's really Carolina or no one. Um, you know, at, at a time, it looked like Tennessee was making a push. They just landed another commitment today. That's now 24 guys committed in that class. And at this point, it just doesn't even really feel like they're going to have room for Ritzy um, with all the guys that they keep adding. And then it seems like South Carolina, they had a little bit of momentum, but they've seemed to fade. Carolina's the huge favorite here. Um, and going in, I mean, I think this is going to be one where, you know, just like J.J. Jones, Carolina fans are going to be extremely confident. Um, every crystal ball that I've seen has kind of predicted him um, to go to Carolina with almost a lock this so very very high confidence from a lot of the guys around the recruiting world and I think you know I, I don't know about you I think finally we're going to say this and we can both agree and probably will be right this will be the next guy to commit to this class are, are, are you with me on that yeah I am in this case and that you know that's something that we've said for a while there have been little hints and you know Ritzy is a guy that's been in good communication with the commits and you know when they were prospects he was in good communication has spent some time in Chapel Hill family obviously enjoys it but has been sort of coy about when he's going to actually make that commitment and has been you know the message has been so far you know I'm going to do this at my own pace I'm going to it's going to be my decision it's not going to be anyone else's um, with all that said you know like you said, Carolina is more likely than not the heavy favorite. You look at the two schools that you mentioned, Tennessee at 24 commits. They might not even have room. Part of that could be that they already have an idea of where he's going and are not leaving room there. South Carolina has fallen away some. And the uh, two other finalists there in his top five in um, Georgia and Ohio State, um, based on my information, are not a, in a position to take his commitment at this mm -hmm. time, not to say, you know, that that's any um, statement on his skill. Certainly, we look we look there at his ranking. Um, believe right now, you know, in the top 150, he's raised in this past 247 update a guy that um, 247's own Steve Wolfong, kind of the main recruiting guy, is really really high on. Says he has a high athletic profile. Um, 
So a really, really good player, but a player where, you know, it's kind of this perfect storm where it, it's hard to see it being any team but Carolina at this point. And I think, you know, like you said, um, without any sort of, you know, other prospects that are obvious choices to make any sort of decision between now and June the 12th, I think there's a decent chance that, you know, the Tar Heels' next commitment is Jabari Ritzy. Yeah, and you said that 247 Sports very high on him. Yes, now the 63rd rated player in the entire country in their latest uh, release of their rankings. Again, why is he still so low? Well, that's because of the rival rankings, and I know that that uh, has gotten some people a little stirred up. But again, we still got a long way to go. And again, these are only recruiting rankings. It really doesn't matter how high you're rated. It's about what you do when you get on campus. I want to talk about two other guys, um, and maybe, you know, with, with this one, the first one that I want to talk about, th- this could get into a little more discussion around some of the other guys that are targets at the position, but Tyrion Ingram Dawkins is very interesting. He's one of those guys that I, I just kind of like, kind of like Ritzy, I can't really get a great read on where exactly he's at in terms of his mindset because, you know, he sets a commitment date a couple of weeks ago. He ends up backing out of that, saying that he needs more time. Carolina is kind of there, but, you know, they were in the top six, but most people were like, okay, they're, you know, is Carolina really going to end up taking, you know, being in the hunt for him? Because at the time, again, Tennessee didn't have a defensive tackle commit uh, in uh, Katron Evans, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, and he, they end up picking him up. So now that's kind of put them out of the running. They seem to be done at that position. And again, they're getting so close to the scholarship limit now that it's just they, they're going to have to pick and choose of the guys that they've that they've got on their board who they're going to end up taking. Um, and then, you know, it, it also seems like schools like Florida State who had gained a lot of momentum, it's kind of stalled out. All of a sudden now, Carolina is starting to look like they may have a real shot in this, something that we just didn't think was possible a couple of weeks ago. Um, now, you know, you got you got the momentum coming from J.J. Jones's commitment. You've got the fact that both Rara Dilworth and Keyshawn Silver have really established a good relationship with him. Is he now suddenly the favorite of all the defensive tackles in this class for the Tar Heels to land if they're going to land one here? Well, it really depends on a few things. I mean, you look at his recruitment in the early spring, it really looked like uh, the trio of Tennessee, South Carolina, and UGA kind of had this, you know, they were the clear top three in the spring. And then you have his commitment date. There was kind of, um, I would say, some cautious optimism from those three um, in terms of, is he going to commit to us? Tennessee, I know, felt good. Even with their scholarship numbers, they felt good. Surprisingly enough, I know South Carolina as the, you know, home state team felt good. And then UGA that's just been recruiting lights out over the past couple cycles, obviously felt good as well. But then you, you know, like you said, saw him sort of, um, you know, push his date back now to June 26th. In that time period, um, we've seen, you know, UNC rise. You look on social media and one of the key guys that they're interacting with, if it's not Javari Ritzy, it's Tyrion Ingram Jones, and it's it's uh, like you mentioned, guys like Keyshawn Silver and Ra Ra Dilworth mm-hmm. have been you know heavy peer recruiters on adding uh, Tyrion to the class. Now, do I think that he's the most likely candidate at this point? You know, it's it's really hard to say. And I think one of the main reasons why is the, the question is of what position in this defensive line does he play? Uh, here on his uh, 247 profile listed at 65298. So, you 
know, is he a guy that can realistically play nose guard? I don't know. And, you know, you look at the board, you already have Keyshawn Silver committed. You look like the likely pick for uh, Javari Ritzy. Those are two guys that sort of fit that four-eye mold. Would Tyrion Ingram Dawkins fit that mold? And then you're looking to take potentially, you know, three guys at the same position. Is that needed? Is there a situation where he could legitimately play nose guard? I think that there's, you know, a lot of this information that we don't know on top of, you know, a very unclear, you know, packing order in his top six that really just make it difficult to make any sort of concrete assumption about his place in the UNC class or really in any class at this point. Yeah, I, I think uh, the weight and, and height's not really a worry for me because, I mean, you, you look this past year at, at Aaron Crawford, a 6'6", 290, so I, I feel like he probably has the size to play defensive tackle. Um, you know, it's I, I think there's a couple of reasons why I kind of asked that question. I think that Carolina's definitely gained some momentum. I feel like with Peyton Page, you know, it seems like at this point, everything that we're seeing is that it's Clemson or no one. Pretty much if Clemson is willing to accept his commitment, then he's going to be a Clemson Tiger. But we just don't know where Clemson's mindset is at because we've seen Page has taken a huge dip in the 24-7 sports rankings. Um, Again, some of the other sites haven't really dropped him as far, but again, ESPN doesn't release rankings that often. And for rivals, they didn't really change a whole lot of their rankings because they wanted to sort of see more of these guys at these camps. So they're going to really base a lot of stuff off of the senior film that they see this upcoming season. Uh, you know, I think Carolina's that they, if they're going to land a defensive tackle in this class, Ingram Dawkins is probably the guy that you're looking at now because it seems like with Page, you know, like I just said, Clemson is is, is a heavy favorite there, and then Tyreek Williams. I, you know, I just. I can't really get a read on where Carolina is at with him. I don't really think he's close to a decision just yet. I know that Alabama is one of the teams that's going to be the biggest competitor for the Tar Heels there, but um, you know, I think he's still a, a little bit of a, a, you know ways away from making a decision. And if Ingram Dawkins is 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 willing to come to Carolina, I don't think that the Tar Heels are going to turn him away because you know being a little bit smaller. I know that that might be a concern um, in terms of going up against. Against some of these bigger and 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 more physical guards and centers, but we saw that Carolina also values athleticism at the nose guard position. They want a guy that is physical and can handle himself in there, but also that you know has a little bit of agility, can close gaps quickly, just like Aaron Crawford did. That allowed him to make so many great tackles in the backfield uh, over his time at Carolina. So I, I think that he kind of fits what Carolina wants in their nose guards, and I'm going to be interested to see how big of a push they make here over uh, what's going to be a one-month push to uh, his commitment date, which is coming up, as you said, June 26th is when he has it scheduled for now. But again, there's no guarantee that that's when he's going to end up making his decision, as we've seen. Now, the one guy that I want to talk about before we get out of here that we have to talk about right now is the five-star cornerback, Tony Grimes. And the reason we got to talk about him, well, Carolina has gained as much momentum as they possibly could with him. Now, the favorites on 24-7 sports website to pick up his commitment with the Crystal Balls. Um, And man, Carolina has made a huge push throughout this time uh, here in uh, during the pandemic. And I think the relationship with Dre Bly and Mac Brown and, and that family just cannot be understated enough. 
you know, I, I think that it's been a really long time since we felt this good about a guy that was this highly rated in terms of Carolina's chances to land him. You know, I, I the last guy that I can think of is, is Marvin Austin, and of course we all know how that turned out. We want to put that out of our minds. I think this would definitely help to. At this point, when you sit here on May 22nd, do you think that right now, that at the end of this class, Carolina will have Tony Grimes in their hands? I think that there's a pretty decent shot. You know, uh, what we've seen over the past few weeks is uh, 247 Sports has put in a new thing with their crystal balls where you can put a number prediction between 1 and 10 in your confidence level uh, in terms of how you'd rate that. I, I probably put Tony Grimes at about a 7 if I had to you know, put a number there. Um, I really think that Carolina's trending here, um, mainly like you mentioned, because of that relationship with Trey Bly, um, not only with his own career and his own development, but the fact that you know he's a younger, more relatable guy that Tony Grimes can really see and idolize, um, you know, moving forward into his collegiate career. Um, Tony will be releasing a top three on May 31st here coming up. Um, the Tar Heels are, you know, almost certain to make that. Um, and, you know, the previous presumed favorite of UGA seems to be moving away a little bit. Mm-hmm. There was even word that they might not make his top three. Now, I don't know if that'll be the case as of now, but there is not only, you know, rumor that Carolina is moving forward, but that simultaneously UGA is moving back sort of in their relationships with them and that he might, you know, feel a little bit more comfortable with North Carolina now than he previously did. So I think that North Carolina is definitely trending here, if not already trended, if you want to use that sort of um, phraseology in terms of the other, you know, the other possibilities for teams within that top three. Uh, two more that I've heard are Penn State and Texas A&M, um, both of which I think are probably not as big a competition to the Tar Heels as um, the Georgia Bulldogs are at this point. Penn State is a little bit more of a, a local school. They've recruited Virginia well, but you know I don't know if he has the same relationships that he does um, with the UNC coaching staff or the Georgia coaching staff. And then Texas A&M uh, recently, I believe, had their defensive back coach leave. So obviously, you know, that did not help them. And then um, distance will play a factor here as well. Um, mm-hmm. um, Tony Grimes' mother has been on record as saying that she wants him to be, you know, somewhat close to home. So, you know, probably not going to your uh, Oregon's or USC's or anything like that, but wants him to stay in the general area, which would seem to really only include, you know, the three of Penn State, UNC, and Georgia, if it's going to be anyone. So I think that factor, I think the Dre Bly factor, and I think just the overall feel of what Carolina is offering at this point as a program on on the rise, uh, but with this sort of family mentality, this family atmosphere, um, really just the DNA of the program that Matt Brown has injected, I think that that really resonates. And like you mentioned, you know, it's been a long time since – the Tar Heels have felt this good about a, a player rated this high, rated as a as a composite five star. And I think it will be, you know, a really really big moment if this is going to happen in this class to not only show that you know the Tar Heels are for real in recruiting. If anyone else is doubting, this has got to be it. This has got to be you know the moment where you say, well, you know, not only did Mac Brown can he recruit five stars and convince them to come play for his program, but he's going you know out of state to do that. Uh, and I think that's, you know, it'll be a big sort of um, optics moment for the Tar Heels if this happens. And, you know, as of today, that'd be my prediction is that he does join. 
one of the more interesting comments that came out from J.J. Jones today when they did an interview with him was that he picked this class because he felt that Carolina's 2021 class was built to potentially be in the national championship hunt. If they were to land Tony Grimes, then without a doubt, this is a class that would be in that area that you need to be if you're going to make the college football playoff, which I think is the ultimate goal at Carolina. And, you know, I think that some people may still be trying to take that in, but it's true. At this point, with what Carolina's done on the recruiting trail here in 2021, they are recruiting at a level to be able to compete with not only the teams in the ACC Coastal, but the teams that are towards the top of the country. And eventually, I mean, they want to get into that same area as Ohio State and Clemson and um, even Alabama. Those those are, you know, it's, it's going to take a while to get there, but Tony Grimes will be a huge step in the right direction. You mentioned at the end of the month that he's going to release a top three. Carolina is pretty much a lock for that. I think out of any of the schools, they're probably the favorite to be in there um, as the number one school heading in. Um, I think Ohio State's probably another lock. Um, But the thing about Ohio State that's very interesting is they've got a a pretty good cornerback class already coming in. Carolina does not have a cornerback committed in this class. So it's pretty wide open for Grimes to come in and make a a pretty immediate impact. Now, part of that is because Carolina's already got a a huge group uh, of defensive backs already on campus, a, a great group of cornerbacks already on campus. But it feels like you know, if Grimes ends up committing, he's going to come in and have a chance to play. So I think that's part of the reason. And then, I mean, you mentioned who would that third team be? I mean, it's really tough because, I mean, Georgia had the early momentum. You wonder if they still hang on uh, and he gives them at least a shot to try to make a late push. Uh, Penn State is interesting because, again, they're close. Um, They're a team that seems to also kind of be on the rise. You know, there's still some questions about James Franklin, but ultimately they play in a division where if you win that division, you're going to be right in the hunt for the college football playoff. Um, And then, you know, I I think another one that's really interesting, I know Texas A&M has been brought up. They've kind of made a little bit of a push here lately just to try to get into that top three, but you can't discount Clemson just yet. Now, I think that the fact that Clemson already has Jordan Hancock in their class, they're looking to add Nyland Green, uh, another talented player that uh, Carolina threw an offer to, but that that didn't really uh, mean much to him. They're uh, trending right now with him as his possible pick. You know, I think that could definitely hurt him, so it's interesting You know, who is that third team that's in there. If you're Carolina, you're kind of hoping, I I guess, um, maybe that Texas A&M slips in there. One of those schools that, you know, just doesn't have the same momentum that you do at this point. Um, And I think, you know, Carolina, like you said, I think at this point, they're probably the favorite to land him. And it's been, you know, a while since we felt that. And it's definitely an exciting feeling. Um, And, you know, we're going to keep you updated on everything going on with all those guys that we just talked about as they head towards uh, their commitment date. Of course, uh, you know, uh, it seems that now uh, is the big time on the recruiting trail here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, We thought a lot of guys would end up sort of holding off their decisions, waiting until they could get on campus for visits. That doesn't seem to be the case. I think a lot of guys are kind of just wanting to get through this, get it over with so that they can get back on the football field this year, focus on uh, just having a good senior year after everything that's been going on. So, of course, uh, we're going to keep you updated uh, with all of that on the Heel Tough blog 
website. Make sure you go there. Check out the uh, commitment article for J.J. Jones uh, as well. Uh, we have a full breakdown of his game, a little more in-depth than what we talked about here uh, tonight. And then, uh, of course, we'll have you covered on all the guys as they head towards their commitments as well and what it means for Carolina going forward. So, uh, well, of course, we also want to encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you do that so that uh, we can head up or we can move up some of the rankings on uh, some of those major sites like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, as well as some of the other uh, sites that um, we have the podcasts on because it'll allow people that haven't found the podcast just yet to find all these great episodes that we have, all the great episodes that we have coming up as we head towards the season, as well as the quarantine interview series that we have with all the former Tar Heel guys that we've had on. So many great guys that have stopped by and talked to us, so make sure that you guys subscribe to the feed and go back and check that out. So once again, want to thank Zach Hubbard for stopping by with me tonight to talk about J.J. Jones and all these other guys. Want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels! Go Tar Heels!